You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome into the Hogbeat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate. We're joined by Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader. Today's episode is brought to you by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, the best burgers in Northwest Arkansas and the state of Arkansas probably the best burgers in the entire world so go get some they have a location in Fayetteville and a location in Russellville Um, you definitely want to get some especially if you're coming up for a basketball game Um, anything going on here in Fayetteville or in Russellville stop by in Russellville as well guys news of the week biggest news Um, we kind of saw it coming but Traylon Burks opts out of the Outback Bowl he puts his name into the NFL draft I don't think any of us are surprised and I think the reaction on Twitter for the most part was good I I only saw one or two people who were like that's selfish why would he do that Um, but for the most part everybody understands that this was a business business decision for Traylon Burks Hutch yeah I mean it was definitely something you could understand I mean personally I was a little bit surprised that he is not playing in the bowl game but that's not necessarily that he's not playing because he's a top prospect but just knowing Traylon Burks and, and how much he loves this Arkansas team. I know in his statement that he said, you know, it came after a lot of thought and prayer. And I, I could imagine that this was a really tough decision for him because I know he loves this team. He loves the state and it probably kills him that he's not playing. However, if you sit back and look at it, you take off your rose colored glasses. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars that could be at stake. And if he goes out there, and he's been playing hurt all year for, for one thing. And if he goes out there against Penn State and gets hurt, then that, that could make him slide down the draft board and cost him a lot of money. And uh, I don't think anyone wants to see that. I mean, he's an Arkansas kid who could have gone anywhere else in the country to play college football, but chose to stay home, played at Arkansas. He dealt with the end of the Chad Morris era. He could have easily left after that, but he still stuck around and has enjoyed an incredible career and for me for my money he's the best wide receiver in school history and uh, I think Arkansas fans need to just appreciate you know what we got to see of him yeah he's one of those players that I've I've kind of told people like I'm going to look back on this one day and be like tell my grandchildren or whatever that I got to watch Traylon Burks play and uh, heck I might be saying he's probably the greatest Razorback I've ever watched with my own eyes because realistically I was a little too young to appreciate Darren McFadden so Traylon Burks he is he with my eyes he's probably the best Razorback I've ever watched so um, I appreciate what he did and you mentioned the the draft boards and Alex I feel like I ask you this question every single time we record but I've seen him mocked towards the the back half of the first round I saw I think it was NBC Sports maybe had him going 11 kind of where do you see Traylon going in the NFL draft yeah, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of the back half, and I think that's probably where I would put him if I was making a mock draft, just because there is, you know, there, something could happen with uh, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson in that Rose Bowl game, or you could have, uh, you could have some changes, and maybe the combine brings out some, some new information that teams are going to go, oh, hey, this is a guy we need right now. But I think um, I've maintained it all year that a lot of the, or that Jalen uh, Burks is probably the, the third best receiver in the country. And I, I think I'll stand by that in with a class where, hey, maybe the quarterbacks aren't as deep as we thought they were going to be coming in. You could see more receivers off the board. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him to slip into that middle first round. But I, I, I'm not seeing like a top 10 pick anywhere. Before we talk about the impact of Burks's opt-out on the bowl game, let's also hit the news that Vito Calvaruso, kickoff specialist, best kickoff guy in college football, is transferring from Arkansas. Um, you got to think it probably has to do with Cam Little, has to do with Vito, probably wants to kick field goals also. Hutch, do you know anything more about that situation? Do you think that that's probably why he's transferring? Yeah, that's basically what I was told exactly, is that he wants to go somewhere that that he can kick field goals. And and I think we all know that that's not going to happen at Arkansas. uh, Cam Little has has secured that job and uh, probably going to be named uh, to the the SEC all-freshman team that comes out uh, on Thursday, uh, today, if you're listening on the radio. Uh, So he's been phenomenal, but Vito... Uh, you say the best kickoff specialist in the country that that's not just your opinion I mean that that is based in in fact I mean he I think he's fifth in the country in terms of touchback rate 
Uh, and then pro football focus, which, you know, factors in all sorts of other things like hang time and, and things like that. They actually have him graded as the number one kickoff guy in the country. So it's no small loss for Arkansas. Uh, people kind of laugh like, oh, well, whatever. All he does is kick off. Well, there, there's something too, you know, making the other team start at the 25-yard line every single time. We've seen what bad special teams can do to a team. And, you know, it just takes one guy returning it, you know, 90-plus yards to, to completely change a game. So uh, it is a loss for Arkansas. Obviously not as big of a loss as Traylon Burks, but it is something worth discussing and uh, going to be interesting to see. Hopefully next time we talk to Sam Pittman, I plan to ask him about it. And, you know, I, I would assume Cam Little will take over that role, and, and he's got a strong leg capable of making 50-plus uh, yard field goals. Uh, so maybe he can fill in there and there not be much drop-off. Yeah, Vito was one of those guys on the roster where he was just like unanimously loved by everybody. Nobody really complained about Vito Calvaruso. So, yes, it he he kicked off, and you know that that's just not not what people are going to be um, thinking is flashy like a quarterback position. But it's important. He was good at it, and you're losing a really good player. But you're also lucky you have Cam Little there. It's not like Traylon Burks, and then it there's a big drop off at least on the current roster from what Traylon Burks was. So let's talk about that. So Burks won't be playing in the Outback Bowl. So Hutch, I've seen the question posed, but who's going to lead the Hogs in receiving in the Outback Bowl? Maybe they just run the ball 50 times. Yeah, if they could run the ball effectively, I think they would much prefer that to be what they do. Kind of like the, the Texas game earlier in the season uh, where Sam Pittman made the comment like, well, if we're going to average seven yards a carry, we're not going to throw it a single time. And uh, maybe that's the route they go uh, if, if they could be effective against Penn State's defense. Um, now, as far as who they're going to throw it to, I mean, you've still got the two super seniors, Tyson Morris and Davion Warren. You know, Davion Warren had a pretty good performance there in the Missouri game. Uh, maybe he could parlay that into another good performance in the bowl game. Uh, Tyson Morris flashed early in the season, you know, as a potential deep threat. Uh, so maybe he's a guy. You know, we've seen Warren Thompson flash, you know, as, if he can clean up the drops a little bit, then he could be the guy. Uh, he's a, you know, former top 100 recruit, a guy with all the potential in the world, looks the part. Uh, then you've got uh, Keetron Jackson, who, who would probably be my pick or maybe the one that I would hope, if you're an Arkansas fan, if you want to see one guy kind of step up in the bowl game as a, in the receiver room, he would probably be the guy you pick because he's a true freshman. He really didn't do much, you know, productivity uh, as far as receiving and, and stuff like that. He played a bunch, so he's got the experience. And he ended the year with a really nice performance against Missouri. He hauled in, I think, a 39-yard catch along the sideline for a critical first down. It was a third, third and long. Uh, he caught it, and Arkansas ended up scoring on that drive and really kind of helped them pull away from Missouri. Uh, that's the kind of play that you want to see and maybe that could be something he springboards into the bowl game, which would then springboard him into 2022. Alex, you're you're probably the resident Big Ten expert. You know more about Penn State than I would say Hutcher or myself do, at least at this point. So is there a specific receiver or maybe, maybe you see Arkansas running the ball, but how do you think Arkansas will be able to capitalize on the Penn State defense in the Outback Bowl? Yeah, I think it's going to be important to run the ball. Um, and that's whether you're that's no matter who you're playing, just because of how how big Traylon Burks was in this offense. Hutch would say it all the time, you know, hey, if I was calling this game, I'd probably just give it to Traylon Burks a couple of times. Um, and that's just because he is so explosive and, and he's able to do so much with the ball. But I think, you know, the four-headed monster at running backs really been a, a staple all year as well. You've got Dom Johnson, Rocket Sanders, Traylon Smith, AJ Green. Those guys are going to be able to go in and give different looks to Penn State that Maybe, you know, they did see some of the best backs in the country, Kenneth Walker, Travian Henderson. Uh, they went up against Michigan's uh, duo of backs. But it's just tough to be constantly, if you're able to get those three, four yards per carry, to be run at and run at and run at and keep rebounding. And, and I think, like Hodge said, that's going to set up that, hey, maybe we can find Keytron Jackson deep. Hey, maybe we can, we can get some of those other guys involved and just get some confidence in this room going into the next season. Now, before we wrap this first segment up, Hutch, you kind of alluded to it earlier. You talked about how Traylon Burks um, is probably the greatest wide receiver in school history, in your opinion. Um, he might not get it 
at, at least as far as like stats and records go, because, um, you know, that freshman year with Chad Morris, but um, maybe if he has another year, he probably breaks all the wide receiver records in school history. Um, but Hutch, just kind of talk about why you say that. Um, why do you think he is the best wide receiver in school history? Well, I mean, let's let's start with the stats. I mean, I think he ended up sixth in school history in terms of receptions and receiving yards, and he did that in three years, even without factoring in that that his freshman year was led by the incompetence that was Chad Morris. He still ranks sixth in three years. You just have an average year next year as a senior, which everyone that ranks ahead of him played four years. Uh, if he just has an average year, he shatters those records. So, I mean, he is, he is easily, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in school history from a statistical perspective. And then just look at him. He's 6'3", 225. He wears, what, 5XL gloves. The dude just catches anything you throw it to him. You throw up a 50-50 ball, and it's not a 50-50 ball when Traylon Burks is involved. It's more like, I don't know, 70-30 at least. So, uh, to me, for my money, if I'm starting a, a team with the, all the Razorback legends uh, throughout the years, he is my first wide receiver off the board, and he probably goes pretty high because – uh, he has just been phenomenal. Plus, throw in the fact that he's from Arkansas and that he could have gone anywhere, and you know, you you add all that extra stuff. Uh, I think he's going to be beloved by Arkansas fans for years to come, and he's probably going to have a really nice NFL career if I had to if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to draft him for my fantasy team next year. Um, but I, you talked about those five X gloves, and I just want to like give people an image in their head. If you put, if you get like a piece of copy paper, maybe you're listening to this at work right now. If you get a piece of copy paper and you put your hand at the bottom of it, Traylon Burks's hand goes all the way up to the top and extends out like past the side of the paper. If you're, if you have it like long ways, that's how big his hands are because I talked to somebody who's actually done that with his hand and his hands are that big. So that is just crazy. Um, and he, he has all of the measurables. I heard that if he goes, and runs like a 4-3-40 at the Combine, then he's just going to shoot up in the draft, kind of like John Ross did um, a couple years ago. But moving forward, Arkansas lands a big commitment from one of the, the Oklahoma guys that are transferring out and number one wide receiver recruit in 2019. It's a big deal. We'll talk about that moving forward here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, we're back here on the Hog Beat Hour, presented by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, the best burgers in the world. I'm just going to start saying that the best burgers in the world. That's what they are. Location in Fayetteville, in Russellville. Um, not only are the burgers amazing, the fries are amazing. And not only are the fries amazing, the milkshakes are amazing. Everything at CJ's is amazing. Um, <clears throat> this segment, we're going to be talking recruiting. Arkansas gets a huge commitment from Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma, a huge visit weekend last weekend. And we're going to talk with Hutch about that. We're going to talk with Alex Trader, the recruiting expert at hogbeat.com. If there was a 30 for 30 under 30 list for recruiting experts, Alex Trader would be on that list. So, Alex, just talk about uh, what you know about Jaden Hazelwood, because that's that's the big news right now. Yeah, this is a huge pickup for Arkansas. You know, he former five-star guy. You see, this is where the portal can really come in handy. And having a guy of that caliber come to Arkansas maybe opens the floodgates, you're hoping, if you're trying to see, hey, here's where Sam Pittman's going to be able to take advantage. Um, he, he's a great receiver, led Oklahoma in receptions and touchdowns was behind Marvin Mims by quite a bit in yardage, but was able to kind of be that guy that's, hey, all reliable, get him the ball, and he's going to he's gonna make plays for us. And I think um, that's going to be something big, especially there's a difference. This receiver class that Arkansas is bringing in is very impressive, and we'll talk about it has a chance to get more impressive uh, over the next week. But looking at it as is, it's still a group of freshman receivers um, having that experience coming in and being able to say, hey, here's a guy where when it's when it comes down to it, he's been there. We're able to get the ball to him and trust him. I think that's a huge, huge pickup for the offense. And then Sam Mbake out of Georgia, he moved his announcement date up 
Um, Alex, I know that you've put in a future cast for him. How do you feel about his uh, announcement? You, where do you think it's going to go? Uh, yeah, I'm more that that it's hard not to feel more confident when a kid moves up his announcement date after an official visit. You know, in terms of tier lists, it's probably committing on the visit, and then that would be a close, maybe second or third. But um, I, I think that Mbake at this point is looking a lot like Arkansas. You have James Jointer saying, "Hey, it's going to be an early Christmas." Um, just a lot, a lot of smoke coming out of that, and there tends to be a saying about smoke and fire. Much another there were a lot of other official visits there's some coming up and then uh, uh the early signing period starts next week so there's just some other players out there that Arkansas is targeting I know there's some LSU guys maybe some more Oklahoma guys just fill us in on that yeah one of the other official visitors this past weekend was LaTerrence Welch he's a four-star cornerback from uh, Lafayette Louisiana he's currently committed to LSU uh, however, based on everything I've been told, that was all hinging on Corey Raymond, the defensive backs coach at LSU, being retained by Brian Kelly. Uh, news comes out on Wednesday uh, that that is not going to happen, that he is heading to Florida uh, to go be on Billy Napier's staff. Uh, however, while that may seem to give Arkansas a leg up on LSU, now you've got to worry about Florida uh, because not only is Corey Raymond you know, a really big guy for, for Welch, uh, but he's also got a really good connection with Billy Napier, which makes sense considering Napier was the head coach at Louisiana Lafayette. That's his hometown. They've got a good connection there, the Louisiana guy. Uh, so to me, uh, it's going to come down to Arkansas or Florida uh, for, for, for Welch. Uh, but that would be a massive pickup for Arkansas. One guy that, that really wasn't even on the radar uh, based on everything I've you know, been, been following uh, until this month. Uh, so that would be a massive pickup for Sam Carter. Uh, Welch has, has talked about that being, you know, he's the reason he's even considering Arkansas, Sam Carter. So uh, that would be big. And then the other, the other visitor they had over the weekend was an unofficial visitor is Gentry Williams. That's because he took his official visit to Fayetteville over the summer. Uh, Oklahoma obviously had its coaching change. Uh, so he was kind of, you know, maybe exploring his options. Uh, at this point, I would be pretty surprised if Gentry decides to come to Arkansas because uh, that Oklahoma did go hire Brent Venables, a defensive-minded coach. And honestly, if we're really looking at this without a rose-colored glasses on, who would you – I mean, you would want to go play for, for a defensive-minded coach like Brent Venables, especially whenever it's your home state. He probably grew up cheering for the Sooners. Uh, so that, that would be uh, you know, disappointing for Arkansas. But the fact that they were even in, in the race for him, a top 100 guy – uh, that that is you know significant and shows you how good of a recruiter uh, Sam Carter is considering all the other guys he already has on board so uh, th those were the two big ones I mean James Joyner and Marion Harris uh, they were in town uh, you mentioned uh, say we you know here, here's a little quick tidbit we've call it we've been calling him Sam Mbake apparently the M is silence apparently it's just Sam Mbake uh, learned that over the weekend so uh, but still, that, that would be a big pickup, as Alex said. Like, like Alex is, is feeling, I do feel confident that he will be committing to Arkansas on December 15th. Uh, but again, it's recruiting. You never know uh, what could happen over the next uh, five or six days. Much, I, I want to ask you, we talked last segment about Traylon Burks and the, the impact of him not playing in the Outback Bowl. And I want to go back to Jaden Hazelwood. Do you think that Hazelwood is the guy that's going to fill in for Traylon Burks next year? I know it's early, but – and then Arkansas brings in IS, uh, Isaiah Satania out of Fayetteville. I think I saw a stat yesterday that Satania led the entire country in receiving yards. Um, do you think either one of those guys – they're not – I don't – I'm not going to say they're going to be Traylon Burks, but um, either one of those guys can fill in for the number one receiver role next year. If any of them do it, it's probably going to be uh, Hazelwood, just because he does have the experience of playing in college. He's been in college for three years. He's produced at the college level. He didn't put up like you know, the monster numbers you'd probably expect from a number one receiver in the class at Oklahoma, but he did have decent numbers. So if anyone's going to do it, I would say it'd be him or maybe – uh, you know, maybe a Keytron Jackson or a Warren Thompson. I mean, people forget, I mentioned it already, Warren Thompson was a top 100 recruit whenever he signed with Florida State. Uh, Keytron Jackson was a top 200 recruit. Uh, you've got Isaiah Satinia and Quincy McAdoo, uh, another four-star in-state kid who's, who's coming into the class. So uh, 
I would imagine that Satinia and McAdoo, they'll probably have a chance to contribute, but I would be very surprised if they come in and, and immediately make the impact that maybe even a Traylon Burks had as a, a, as a true freshman. Uh, I would expect if, if somebody's going to fill in and be that number one guy, you got to hope it's Hazelwood or one of the guys you already have on campus. Alex, I know that you've kind of done a deep dive recently about the the kind of the not exactly fallout, but what's going on in Oklahoma um, with the hiring of Brent Venables. Does that uh, how how does that affect things? And maybe some some things that were leaning towards Arkansas's way, um, kind of with Gentry Williams, like Hutch talked about earlier. Are there things that maybe might not be going Arkansas's way anymore now that they have Brent, Brent Venables in Oklahoma? I think Williams is probably the one out of that group that you're looking at that was potentially looking at Arkansas. I mean, when, when I started working on that, it was, oh, Hazelwood is looking. He might flip. He might – or he might uh, transfer. He might transfer. And then that happens, and it's like, well, okay, you have Gentry Williams, who at this point, like Hutch said, not necessarily looking great. Brett Venables it was the right guy to get if you're trying to keep defensive guys in, in the locker room. Um but also, just there, there's so many recruits that are going, and a lot of them are, are following the guy they committed to. They're following Lincoln Riley to USC, or they're going to be those transfers are going to be going out west as well for the most part. It's just there's a lot, a lot of moving parts, and none of them really click for Arkansas. The one guy that I'm looking at that had Arkansas in his final schools list and would be a big pickup would be Luke Has. But you also have two tight ends already committed in that class and Jaden Hammond, Shamar Easter, that's 2023. Um, Has is probably a guy you take if he wants to come just because he is that talented and he does have that that kind of top recruit mentality for the position. But it, that would be the one that I'm looking at that, that, you know, hey, this is a guy Sam Pittman might want to keep talking to, might want to be able to, to keep in his head and, and keep fresh in his mind. Now, before we wrap up recruiting, I kind of mentioned earlier, but next Wednesday, December 15th, early signing period opens up. The class is currently number 12 um, on Rivals.com. Hutch, I want to ask you, we know the coaches, they've been hitting it hard on the recruiting trail since after the Missouri game. Do you see them, like any crazy movement from number 12 um, once early signing period opens up? you're probably going to see Arkansas move down in the rankings. And that's just because Arkansas already has the mo the majority of its class already done. I mean, yes, you could add a Sam Bakke, you could add a LaTerrence Welch. And those, those guys would help uh, as far as, you know, Arkansas's uh, recruiting points total, which is how we calculate the, the rankings. Uh, but you're also going to see a bunch of teams, like for example, Clemson, I believe is a couple of spots behind Arkansas and they only have like 11 commitments and they're probably going to add more. And this is Clemson. Yes, they had a down year, but you're probably going to have a bunch of four stars that are currently undecided are going to announce and they're going to land some of those guys and they're going to move ahead. And you're probably going to see if, if to me, if you're Arkansas, you want to end up in the top 20, that would be kind of the benchmark for the Razorbacks of a, a really good class. Uh, I believe that 2019 class that had Burks and Jefferson and Catalan, those guys, I think that ended up around 20th. Uh, I'd have to go back and check, uh, but that, that is a benchmark of a good class. Top 25 should be the goal every year. Top 20 is a really good year. And I think Arkansas, as it stands right now, if they can keep everything intact as it is and, and possibly add another guy or two, then uh, then they could they could end up in that top 20 range, which uh, should be celebrated. All right, well, that's going to do it for recruiting here on the Hogbeat Hour. Up next, we're going to talk about the Outback Bowl. Arkansas is going to play Penn State on New Year's Day, and then we'll talk some Razorback basketball. They dropped in the AP poll, and we'll kind of break that down here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. We're talking bowl game and all SEC selections this segment. So Arkansas selected to the Outback Bowl. Um, a lot of people say the Outback Bowl is not as good as the Citrus Bowl. I really don't think it matters because Arkansas is playing a, a good team in Penn State. They both kind of have like a same a same path this year, sort of, because like both of them were both top 10 teams at one point in the season, and now they're sitting and they're just kind of average. But Arkansas is going to play Penn State. They've never played Penn State before. 
first bowl game in Florida since 2006. That was a Capital One Bowl against Wisconsin. They lost 17 to 14, I believe, in that one. Okay, Hutch is shaking his head. I was right. Um, so Arkansas 0-4 all-time versus Big Ten in bowl games. Hutch just kind of talk about Arkansas being selected to the Outback Bowl and why the Outback Bowl technically is not better than the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, technically the Citrus Bowl has like the top pick. Like they get to choose whichever SEC team that's left after the college football playoff and the uh, uh, New Year's Six Bowls. So like after the Sugar Bowl, after the Peach, the Cotton, all that kind of stuff, they get the first pick. Uh, apparently they picked Kentucky, which technically Kentucky is 9-3 and three and 5-3 and three in SEC play. So technically they have a better record than Arkansas. I think anybody who can look at it objectively would tell you Arkansas is probably a better team. Arkansas probably would have gone at least nine and three, if not 10 and two against uh, that schedule that Kentucky had. Uh, but alas, like you said, it really doesn't matter. Uh, these are all very comparable. I mean, even throw in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, all three of these bowls are very similar in most fans' eyes and kind of have similar prestige. Uh, I think we can all agree they're better than the Liberty Bowl. They're better than the Texas Bowl, uh, the Music City Bowl. Uh, so, yeah, I, Arkansas is, is in a very good bowl against a prestigious you know, team out of the Big Ten that has a lot of history. They've never played them before. Uh, so I think Arkansas fans, and as you said, the last time Arkansas was in a Florida Bowl, I was in seventh grade. Uh, y'all were probably you know barely even born I don't even know um uh, so yeah it, it it's a, it's an exciting time for Arkansas fans and it's a, a trip that I'm looking forward to make personally because uh, all my bowl trips so far have been to uh Houston Texas and uh Memphis so uh, I haven't really gotten to make well I did go to Charlotte uh for the Belk Bowl uh Arkansas fans would probably like to forget that game but uh, this is going to be a really cool trip, and I know I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I know there's a lot of excitement in the fan base as well. I mean, realistically, would you rather play in Raymond James Stadium where they played the Super Bowl last year, or would you rather play in Camping World Stadium in Orlando? I think you would rather play in a real NFL stadium that is in Tampa, Florida, and not, not Orlando. I know Orlando is, like, growing, but Hutch, you just went on vacation to Orlando anyway, so it's, good, it's a good situation for you. Um, Penn State, though, let's talk about Penn State, and we'll bring in Alex Trader, the resident Big Ten expert, um, only because he's an Ohio State fan. I want to quickly mention that Ohio State lost to Michigan, so they're 10 and 2 on the year, did not make the college football playoff. Um, Penn State, 7 and 5, Alex, and they uh, they had a up and down season, four losses to top 15, top 15 teams. Technically, they broke the college football record for longest overtime in history, but um, we'll, we'll talk to Hutch about that one later because I know he has strong opinions. So, Alex, just tell us a little bit about Penn State. Yeah, this is a good football team. Um, it's, it's not going to be a pushover win. It's not like Florida out there playing UCF, which, you know, might not be as easy of, of a win as you would think. But this is going to be a really good game. It's making a lot of people's top bowls to watch lists, like games they're keeping an eye on. And I think there's a good reason for that. Penn State, really good defensively. I believe they're 36th in the country, maybe. Um, but offensively, just 80th, the 80th percentile, I guess. Not not great. Not really going to blow you out of the water. Sean Clifford at quarterback really hasn't been the answer for this team. He's able to come in and have a big game here and then. But uh, consistency-wise and just overall talent, I think it's going to – if you if Sean Clifford beats you – that's a way you're willing to go because there's so much talent on the rest of this team. Jahan Dotson at receiver is a really, really special guy. Um, I guess you'd call him their Traylon Burks, even though maybe the impact hasn't been quite the same. I think he does have that top, top tier talent of the country. Um, but this just, it, it'll be a kind of mad game to watch. It'll be slower. It won't be that, that shootout mentality that you're looking at. Um, in a lot of the games across the country, there's just not that type of firepower on Penn State side. And now without Traylon Burks, really on Arkansas side either, you're not going to be able to have that constant deep threat to look out for on the defensive side of the ball. You talked about earlier in the episode that Arkansas would have to run the ball more to be successful against Penn State. Um, I'm just curious what you think 
the keys for Arkansas to win, you know, here early. They haven't started bowl practice, but the keys for Arkansas to win and maybe what Penn State has to do against Arkansas defense to win. Yeah, I think you have to run the ball. I mean, this is a team that gave up 350 yards rushing to Illinois. Um, And Illinois, you know, you have a little bit of a similarity in the offense there. Uh, Just a couple years ago, you were looking at that same offense. Um, and, And I think it would be one to, you know, hey, maybe get back to it a little bit because this team, it is pretty, pretty solid passing. Held Ohio State to 305 yards, had a pretty bad game against Maryland, but, you know, was able to keep teams under 200 yards throughout a lot of the year, especially under 250. Um, KJ is probably not going to have a great game here. There, there's a really great safety, fifth-year senior Jaquan Brisker for Penn State that, that's had himself quite a year, was able to get on the first-team All-Big Ten uh, team, but I think running the ball at the heart of that defensive line, they're missing PJ must who's one of their best players got hurt in that game against Iowa. It's really going to come down to, I think game planning is going to be a big part of it. And then also um, defensively, you just have to hold. This isn't a team that can match a track meet. They're not going to be able to come out and just score and score and score and score. So if you're able to set that tone early, maybe, maybe Kendall Bryles throws in some of those trick plays that he loves doing so much. Um, able to just catch them off guard, get them on their heels. Uh, I, I think this is a game that Arkansas maybe not runs away with, but would be able to, to get up, hey, hey, we're up 14. Hey, we're up 20 points here in the third quarter, and this is a game that Penn State's just not going to be able to win. All right, we'll move it on from the bowl game because we'll talk more about that um, here in the next few episodes. Uh, all SEC teams. So Arkansas gets three players. Traylon Burks and Monteric Brown, first team, Bumper Pool, second team. Hutch, just your reaction on that and maybe some players that you think got snubbed from the All-SEC teams. Yeah, and then the AP uh, All-SEC teams came out as well, and, and they, they had Burks, first team, uh, and then uh, Stromberg and Pool on the second team. And in between those two, I think the coaches got it right uh, I think that, that obviously Burks is a first team all SEC wide receiver I was glad that both organizations uh decided to do that uh, I know he I think he was fourth in the SEC in receiving yards so I was a little bit worried that they might just look at those stats and everything but you know he did it on far fewer receptions he was just an explosive guy uh, so they, they got it right with Burks uh bumper pool you know, he has had a fantastic year. Even though he's only started one game, he's played a ton because they've got that three-man rotation for two spots on the field uh, with Grant and Hayden. Uh, and Bumper has been phenomenal. Uh, last year, he racked up a bunch of tackles, but he didn't necessarily play well, if that makes sense, because he missed a lot of tackles. And he just – you could tell he wasn't playing at a high level. And turns out that's because he's playing with broken ribs. And I would imagine it's hard to tackle people – uh, in SEC play, especially with broken ribs. And, and he's been phenomenal. And, and I think he's definitely deserving of that recognition. Hard to argue with the three guys that were ahead of him on the first team at linebacker, uh, because you've got, you know, Nicobe Dean from George. I think he was, he won one of those uh, Nagurski trophies or one, one of those big time trophies, you know, Bakersville from um, LSU. Uh, having seen him in person in Death Valley, that dude is a really good player, definitely deserving of first team all SEC. And of course, oh yeah, there's Will Anderson, who's been who's been talked about as a potential Heisman candidate. Uh, didn't get invited to the uh, New York, but he was a guy that probably got some votes. So uh, that's a pretty good group. Uh, Monteric Brown tied for the SEC lead in interceptions. I would have put him on the first team. The coaches did. The AP left him completely off the first and second team. So if you want to complain about something, I would complain about uh, the AP leaving him completely off the first and second team, uh, all SEC teams. I just, I don't, I don't understand that. I think he was definitely deserving of at least the second team nod. Uh, So it was good to see him get a a first team nod from the coaches and Ricky Stromberg, you know, getting that second team nod from the AP. I think that's okay. You know, I think that's good. Uh, I I didn't necessarily have an issue with them leaving him off of the, the coaches, all SEC teams. Uh, the two guys they selected, the guy from, from Kentucky, the guy from Missouri, uh, both those guys have been phenomenal centers this year, graded out really well. Those are the two highest graded centers on pro football focus in the SEC. So uh, no real complaints there. I, I really think they did a mostly a good job, especially the coaches this year, uh, of picking the LSEC teams. 
Alex, uh, do you have anything to go off of that? Maybe anybody that you think should have been on either of the teams? You're shaking your head no, but go ahead. No, I think Hutch did a pretty good job of, of looking at, at what there was to offer for, for those SEC teams. You know, it's these lists always come with uh, people from one group saying, oh, this should have been on there, and people from another saying, no, they got it right. Um, and I, I think, like, like Hutch said, if there's one, one where, hey, maybe you would have liked to see him jump on the list, and then generally it's pretty good, I'd say that's a win-win for everyone. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this segment. Up next, we're going to talk basketball, um, round out the Hogbeat Hour, talking about the Razorback basketball team. Dropped two spots in the AP poll. They're still 9-0, and um, but some of it has been prettier than the others. So we'll talk about that here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. We're going to talk some Razorback basketball this segment. But before we do that, we're brought to you by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. I've talked about how they're the best burgers in the world. Hutch, you want to give your CJ's testimonial here? Yeah, sure. I mean, before CJ's ever came to Fayetteville, uh, they've got that Russellville location and, and going down to Little Rock for Arkansas games, for whatever sport it may be, or just traveling down to see my grandparents in Little Rock uh cj's was always a really good stopping point so whenever i found out that they were going to be bringing up a location to, to fayetteville uh i was super pumped and, and it's a, it's a great spot to go grab a bite to eat uh, in fact uh, i there's a very good chance i'll be eating cj's for lunch today uh because i have an appointment and it's going to be right on my way so great spot to to stop and eat and uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it in Mason's background. You can see the beautiful fries and burger. Uh, it's making me hungry, and hopefully it will make you hungry and inspire you to go stop by CJ's and enjoy a good burger and fries. And don't forget to vote them best burger and fries of Northwest Arkansas. Voting is open through December 22nd. You can vote once a day. Um, and I mean, like, they, you need to vote them because they are the best burger and fries, and nobody comes close. So CJ's, they have locations in Fayetteville on Weddington and Russellville on Arkansas Avenue. Um, if you need any more information on them, just go to hogbeat.com because their ads are everywhere on hogbeat.com because we love CJ's. And uh, check out all of our content on Hogbeat as well. So Razorback basketball, um, they beat Little Rock on Saturday and then they beat Charlotte on Tuesday. Let's start with the Little Rock game. Um, it was another one of those games where Arkansas starts slow in the first half and then they pull away in the second half. The player of the game, probably Audis Tony. Um, Jalen Williams did his thing like always. Hutch, just your takeaways from the Little Rock game. Yeah, this one was actually slightly a little bit different because it was close for most of the first half. And then they really pulled away at the end of the first half and had a 15-point lead at halftime. And you're starting to think, okay, you know, maybe this is finally going to be that 30, 35 point blowout that we've been waiting on. Granted, we, we got to see that against UCA, uh, but you're like, okay, they're going to pull away, you know, Little Rock, they were down to, I want to say six healthy scholarship players. They have been just ravaged by injuries and it just didn't happen. It was a, it was a stalemate in the second half. They, they scored the exact same points as, as Little Rock after halftime uh just uh just a frustrating frustrating second half for arkansas uh and and yeah i mean it was a it was really a balanced scoring attack in that game if i remember correctly i think Adis tony uh devo davis uh they had about the same uh, jd note of course uh so it, it you like to see that kind of balanced scoring because that means you've got you know there's not just one guy that opposing teams can focus in on uh but yeah it was it was just a really frustrating performance that considering all the depth issues, I think, I think Little Rock only played seven guys and one of them must've been a walk-on based on what I was told. Uh, and you couldn't beat them by more than 15. I mean, it, it was a little bit frustrating, uh, but I know that uh, I can personally, I came away and really impressed with Daryl Walker's squad. You know, they're coached by Daryl Walker, the former Razorback guy played in the NBA. Uh, so uh, I, I was very impressed with the scrappiness of his team. And if, if they can get healthy, you know, they were without their best player uh, and their third leading scorer as well. Uh, so if they can get healthy, maybe, maybe they can make some noise in the Sun Belt and, and make that win a little bit more impressive for Arkansas on the resume. 
It seems like that was another one of those games where Adis Tony, most of his production came in one half of the game. I think he had 16 of his 18 points in the first half. What do you think it is about that, Hutch? I know Coach Musselman has talked about uh, it's almost like he'll be out on the court and he's just not adding anything. But why do you think it's just like one half he's great and then the other half he's not? It's really baffling because in, in the UCA game right before that, it was a second half. And he scored like 16 or, so, or 14 or something like that. And then he comes out, dominates the first half against Little Rock. And you think, okay, maybe he's, you know, flipped the switch and he's going to be just his dominant player. And they just didn't really get as much in the second half. And I think part of it is that, you know, Tony is not like a, a J.D. Note or a Chris Likes or a Mason Jones or, or someone like that who, or a Moses Moody who you're going to draw up plays and you're going to try to, find ways to get the ball in his hands and make him, you know, let him do whatever it is that he does. Uh, Tony is a guy who gets his action based on, you know, he's going to go crash the offensive boards. Uh, He's going to go grab rebounds and get putbacks. He's going to cut hard to the basket and just happen to get it in the flow of the things. And when you're just really relying on that and you don't have really set offenses designed for you, you're probably going to go through some, some, some scoring droughts like what we've seen from him. So I think that's probably the, the reason behind it. And, you know, there's games where, you know, for example, against Charlotte, you know, he didn't really do much at all. I think he scored like seven points. Uh, and it's just a matter of which games the, the rebounds are finding his hands and which games he's really able to, to find creases in the defense and cut to the basket and get easy buckets because that's, that's what he thrives on offensively. Yeah, you mentioned J.D. Note, and it was kind of he kind of had an opposite performance of Audis against Little Rock because Audis goes for 16 in the first half, two in the second half. J.D. had two in the first half, 16 in the second half. It felt kind of more like last year with J.D. Note, where in the second half he starts to heat up and he's like your go-to scorer. And he he did he did what we've seen from J.D. Note there in the second half against Little Rock, but. I, it throughout the first half, I remember saying to some people I was sitting by, this just like, what's up with J.D. Note? Where's he at? It just felt like he wasn't even on the court. Um, and it's we thought he was going to be Arkansas's go-to scorer this year. Do you think he still is that, Hutch? Or um, kind of what do you think is going on with J.D. Note? Yeah, I mean, Eric Musselman even said it after the game that he was not really pleased with J.D. Note's performance. Even though he scored 18 points, uh, he, he was not happy with the fact that he only had one rebounds. Uh, he had some turnovers and yeah, he just seemed to be off. Uh, it, it was almost as if like, you know, I, I always think back to like, you know, space jam where, you know, the basketball players lose their talents and, uh, you're like, well, what, what's going on here? And, uh, he did have that really good spurt. I think it was about a three minute stretch where he scored like nine points. Uh, and, and yes, I still think he's going to be a go-to scorer for Arkansas his three point shot right now is just not falling. He is just in an absolutely abysmal seven game stretch where I don't even know if he's shooting 20% from three point range. It's just not falling for him yet. He's still consistently scoring in the in double figures. He's getting up, you know, upper teens. Uh, I think he's had a couple of games where he's uh, eclipsed 20 points and he's doing it because he's just elite at getting to the basket. He is so good at, at cutting for one and teammates finding him. You know, Jalen Williams is an incredible passer. I think they've hooked up a couple of times. And then he's also just really good at getting to the basket off the dribble. And he can finish really well. And he can get to the free throw line and, and knock down free throws. So he's still going to be a guy that scores a lot for you. I think we're going to see him put up some big-time numbers this year. Uh, and he's still doing it, even though he's – not shooting well at all from beyond the arc. He's still shooting above 50% uh, from the field most nights. So he's still really efficient uh, once you, you know, get inside that, that three-point arc. Uh, and, you know, if he can get those three-point shots to start falling, then watch out. You could be looking at a guy who puts up just incredible numbers and you're talking about possibly an SEC player of the year conversation, but that's going to require him knocking down some three-pointers, I think. So Arkansas got the win, 93-78 over Little Rock, Daryl Walker's squad. And then Tuesday night, they beat Charlotte 86-66. to And speaking of Note, Note had a double-double, uh, 23 points, 10 rebounds. I think um, he found a shot a little bit more against them. But Jalen Williams, I mean, 15 points, 8 rebounds. And it really feels like Devontae Davis is just back. 
Devo Davis. I mean, people talk throughout the early parts of the season, like where is the Devo that we were expecting this year? And it's almost like, well, he started making layups and doing what he did last year. And now he's back to the player that we were expecting. So um, it seems like ever since he talked about putting a smile on his face, he's just been, he's just been awesome, Hutch. Yeah, and that's that's great to see because he is one of those high energy guys that, that you know you can kind of feed off of them uh, and helps the team in more than just you know what shows up in the box score and so that's that's good to see and yeah he is he's been scoring a lot better uh, I think he's hit in the last three games he scored 16, 16 and 18 uh, so that's that's really nice and plus he's starting to really distribute the ball a lot better uh, he had seven assists against Little Rock you know that was a career high and then he comes out and has eight against uh, Charlotte. Now he did have five turnovers uh, in the Charlotte game. He had zero against Little Rock. Five turnovers is too high for a guy if you're going to be running point guard. But uh, part of that was because his teammates weren't ready for passes. Uh, Eric Musman talked about that. I think he got called for a couple of offensive fouls, which those go down as turnovers. Uh, so his passing really was good for the most part. Uh, and, and that's uh, something really encouraging to see because you know, early on, like what you were saying, it seemed like he was being kind of forced in that point guard role and it really wasn't working. I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that it's going to work, but I'm starting to come around to it and it feels like he's getting more comfortable and, and that might be his role moving forward. Like I mentioned, Jalen Williams, 15 points, eight rebounds. Alex, I want to ask you, I mean, the importance of having Jalen Williams on the, on the court. I mean, what do you, what can you say about this dude? He might be the MVP of the team so far. Yeah, it's massive. There's always those hustle plays. You're always seeing him, you know, diving for loose balls, able to, to go and really just put out that effort. And when you have a leader of your team like that, um, he hasn't always had, he hasn't been consistently dominant uh, throughout the early part of the season, but you're always seeing that same effort from him. And that's a huge thing with the leaders of your team to be able to lead by example and show guys, hey, if it's not my night, it's going to be one of yours and I'm going to help help that happen. And, and uh, when he gets everything clicking, you're able to see, you know, he's going to come in and be a real problem for other teams to deal with. Off the bench, Chris Likes has just been really good this year. He had 13 against Charlotte. Hutch, how amazing is it for Arkansas to have a, an, an elite scorer like Chris Likes to come off the bench? It reminds me a lot of how J.D. Note, you know, what his role was last year, coming off the bench and, and providing that scoring spark and, uh he's had some really he's had some tough games i can't remember which game it was there's one game where he went oh for seven from the floor didn't score a single point and just had a horrible game and uh eric musselman said something along those lines afterwards and say you know he's got to be better and uh he's he's done pretty well the last few games uh i can't remember his exact scoring totals but he's been in double figures uh but the biggest thing from from this charlotte game with chris likes was how well he did defensively. Uh, that has been a major point of emphasis for Eric Musselman is getting him to where he can, you know, play defense. And he's probably a guy that hasn't been asked to play defense like he's been asked to this year in his career. And he actually, you know, was part of the reason uh, Arkansas was able to shut down Charlotte's leading score. Uh, he, I think, his, their leading score finished maybe with ten points or something like that, but he did it on four or fourteen shooting, didn't make a three pointer had some turnovers, didn't really have very many assists. Uh, and that was a big, in large part due to not only uh, Devo Davis and J.D. Note, who we all know are elite defenders, but Chris Likes was even on him for several possessions. And, and Eric Mussman said it was by far his best game defensively in an Arkansas uniform. And if he can continue that, then uh, that's going to keep him on the court more and give him more minutes, even if it is off the bench, and uh, could lead to, to really good things for Arkansas. Stanley Amude played, uh, let's see, nine minutes and 54 seconds. He was 0 for 6 shooting, no points. Where is Stanley Amude, the guy that we were expecting to be a very, very elite scorer this year? Man, it's baffling, huh? I mean, he, he was a guy that was one of the top scorers in college basketball last year. Granted, that was against, uh, you know, uh, what conference are they in? I can't remember which conference. The same conference as Oral Roberts, all those teams, uh, but, you know, at South Dakota. Uh, but he is a, a very good scorer. We've seen it some. There's been flashes where, he, you know, he has big scoring nights. He had a couple of back-to-back -back games, maybe against Little Rock and UCA or something. Uh, 
uh, where he he had some really good scoring nights. But then there's been nights like what you just mentioned. He only played nine minutes and didn't shoot worth a darn. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he, you know, if he can get consistent. That, that's the big thing with him is getting consistent. We've seen it in spurts. Now can he put back-to-back-to-back-to-back games like we see with some other guys? Because that, that's going to be a massive uh, thing for Arkansas because he's, he's going to be a go-to guy, and he hasn't been that yet. So it, we've seen that kind of like with Amude, Arkansas has not been able to establish exactly who they want off the bench. We know Chris likes, but it's like you have, you have Jalen Williams, J.D. Note, Devo Davis, Audis Tony, and Chris likes. But after that, it's just kind of – up in the air of who else is going to contribute um, a guy that a lot of people really wanted to contribute going into um, this season with Jackson Robinson and Alex, this guy, I mean, he's known for being a three point shooter and he hasn't really been making very many threes. So w- what do you need from him? I knew, I know you need threes, but it, it's just like, he's not even, he's not even there sometimes. Yeah, and he had that really good game last week where he was able to go out and kind of light it up and in a limited sample size was able to give you kind of a a glimpse of what you were talking about, uh, of being able to go in and be that microwave off the bench. Um, I think in terms of three-point shooting right now, this team just doesn't have it falling. Nothing is really working. Um, 28.5% shooting from the three-point line. That's 322nd in Division One out of 358. That's not going to cut it for a team that has, you know, national championship aspirations for sure but realistically you know final four elite eight sweet 16 if you're not able to hit those threes that's where you get into trouble when it comes time for for march madness because of these smaller teams are able to come in and hit those threes so um you don't have to come out and shoot 50 percent or 40 percent or even really like high 30s you need to be able to just be a threat from the three-point line and right now we're not really seeing that from the entire team uh, and i think as that comes with the team, then, you know, guys like Jackson or, or those other scorers are going to be able to be able to put, put, I don't know, whatever, whatever's going on mentally or whatever's going on just as a team and put that behind them, be able to go up and say with confidence, Hey, I'm, if I shoot this, I'm going to make it. And I, I think that will just come with time at this point. Real quick, Hutch, Arkansas plays Oklahoma this weekend. The non-conference schedule has been pretty soft so far, but Oklahoma, it's a big name. What, what kind of team are they though? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a, a quadrant one opportunity for Arkansas, potentially. Uh, they're just outside of the, the top 50 range in the net rankings that, that would make it a, a quad one win. But it's, it's a solid ball club. They just lost to Butler in overtime. That's not a, exactly a bad loss. I think they lost to Utah State. That's a quality team out in the Mountain West. So it's going to be a tough challenge for Arkansas. I would say maybe their toughest challenge. They're, they're very similar as far as, you know, talent level or whatever, as Cincinnati, uh, Porter Mosier is their head coach. So uh, I think it's going to be a, no- a tough challenge for Arkansas. It should probably tell us more uh, about Arkansas than these games against Little Rock and Charlotte and, and those kind of teams. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here on the Hogbeat Hour. I've been Mason Choate. He's been Andrew Hutchinson, and he's been Alex Trader. Thank you guys for joining us here on the Hogbeat Hour.